Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates for our number two live from six and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. That includes Fox Sports Shoals, Muscle Shoals, Florence, Alabama, Fox Sports Knoxville, and Sports Radio 104.7. Glad you're with us in the Upper Cumberland. You can follow us on Twitter at Outkick360. The crew is all here, and we have the entire set here. Live for Outkick the Tailgate tomorrow morning here in the Beer Garden. Great crowd on hand. It's always the case here at 6th and Peabody on the weekend. It's a great place to tailgate. Yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun here, 8 to 11 a.m. They're opening the doors early for us tomorrow, so you can join us. Uh, again, 8 a.m. Central Time, 6th and Peabody. Very easy to find, corner of 6th and Peabody. We're going to be here with drink specials. We've got some free breakfast options here as well. We've got a great guest list, Albert Hainsworth, Michael Ray, the country singer, Hannah Dasher, the country singer. Uh, we've got Kix Brooks. We've got Clark Lee and Barton Simmons. All on Trent site. Dilfer will be here live. A lot of cool opportunities uh, to meet some of our, our great guests swinging by tomorrow. Big thanks to all of them. Big thanks to Six and Peabody for being such a terrific host. We're going to have a lot of fun uh, with this show tomorrow, but first... We get to continue having fun with this show today. We eat here frequently as this is our office. Yes. Yet I'm, and I think we've sampled everything on the menu, <laughs> had it all. so to speak. We've had it all. <laughs> we've said it all. We've had it all. Yet I'm smelling something unfamiliar today that is making me very hungry. A, a, a bread smell, if you will. Well, in fact, they've opened a bakery. Unlike Chipotle, you know, you don't get salmonella from Daddy's Dogs or the White Absolutely Dog Taco not. Stand. But, well, Absolutely I, not. Whoever's baking the new bread, bring me a loaf. You think someone's out there baking bread right now? That's what, what it smells like to me. One of our poll questions uh, you can go and vote on right now, Outkick 360. For tomorrow, we'll be unveiling the results. We'll be discussing this on the show. Great show topic as well. Who's the next coach at LSU? James Franklin, Jimbo Fisher, Lane Kiffin, Mel Tucker. Those are your options. Of those four options, who's the next coach of the LSU Tigers? You can go place your vote, uh, and your voice can be heard. Outkick 360 on other. Twitter. You don't want any of those options. You think ultimately it's someone else? Well, no. I, I just defy. I don't know. I might go Other outside the Other could be a good option for the poll uh, also. We could just throw that out there. But I think it's James Franklin. If I had to put my money on who it's going to be, that would probably be the odds-on favorite I don't right think now. my guy would go. But I'm very curious about Luke Fickle. Luke Fickle would be a great hire. Yes. For, for anyone. You get him there. Yeah. But it seems like LSU, a little yes. bit of fish out of water, but there's a lot of fish out of water talk about LSU candidates, and it seems like uh, everybody uses the Nick Saban comparison. I mean, he was certainly a fish out of water. You're not going to find a Cajun guy, right? Uh, you just had well, a Cajun guy. I mean, guy. it's, again, Scott Woodward's going to find the splash guy. Right. And, that, and that's James Franklin. Yeah. That's the splash guy. L- Luke Fickle's not the splash guy. He's a hell of a coach. Les Miles is a Michigan man. Right. You don't have to be Cajun no. to win at LSU. You just got to be Heck, you don't have to be that good of a coach, apparently, to win at LSU. Ed Ogeron won a national title. Les Miles won a national title at LSU. So there's a lot of people who could win that. Woodward's last two hires. Big. Big, Peterson, Jimbo Fisher. Yep. 
So you got to think. makes sense. And you, you can go outside the football that. program for for what he's doing. I mean, go to women's basketball oh, program. Kim Mulkey, yeah. yeah. Kim Mulkey. I'll give you one right now that would be big in the eyes of LSU people and a lot of others. Joe Brady. Yes. That's the that is yes. the if we if Ed Orgeron is Gene Chizik and Gene Chizik is Ed Orgeron, then Joe Brady is Gus Malzahn and Gus Malzahn is Joe Brady. Joe Brady it's still the has same equivalent. Very little experience. Joe in Brady. The big picture. Every every time I, I read anything about his possibilities of landing the job is just simply not going to happen because his aspirations are, are in the NFL. He is where he wants to be. He wants to be an NFL head coach, and he does. He has no interest in coaching. Plus, head coaching I, as a quarterback guy, either Sam Darnold is going to really pan out this year, or he's going to have a prime new quarterback next year to work with in Carolina. Because David Tepper, the owner of the Carolina Panthers, is hell bent no on doubt. having a big time quarterback. He's going to make that happen one way or another via monster trade or via them being at the top of the draft and getting Matt Corral or, or whoever it may be. So Brady's going to have a chance to work with a big-time NFL quarterback next year if that's what he wants. And then if he does that and is successful, he could be fast-tracked to be an NFL head coach pretty quickly if that's what he wants. We talked The to thing about Carpenter. LSU is there's no way it's not appealing to these people. Oh, of right? course. Like some of these top programs. Yeah have become well, less you know appealing. You, this is a very appealing It's a program. program where you know you can go win a national title. Because the talent, Louisiana is filled with talent, and that talent wants to stay there. Wants it's to a rabid there. fan base. They've got a lot of money. I mean, there's a lot of reasons that you would love that job, and, and most college yeah. coaches would love that job. Luke Fickle, though, and we talked to Bobby Carpenter about this. He's a different case. He's got like eight kids, I think. I mean, it's very important to him where he lives. Raises his family. And he loves living in Cincinnati. He's a Midwestern guy. That's what I'm talking He's about, fish out of water. So that, it's the same thing you hear about shot. Matt Campbell, though. It's not right. – again, Luke Fickle would be fine with the LSU culture. I don't, I don't think that would be the problem. I think it's Luke Fickle – people sometimes make the mistake that every decision every human makes is about money. Luke Fickle's going to make a hell of a lot of money wherever he coaches. Yeah. So if he's got his pick, he's going to hold out for Ryan Day, no longer at Ohio State. He's going to look at Big Ten opportunities. He just turned down Michigan State when they ended up hiring Mel Tucker. I think he's fine staying at Cincinnati, making a lot of money at Cincinnati, and taking the, the right opportunity. He just doesn't seem like the guy that, oh, I'm going to make this much more money and possibly win a national title. Yeah, I'll uproot my eight kids and my wife and go to Baton Rouge. That's what I'm saying. I don't uh, think he me, does that. Baton Rouge is a very kind of foreign place to take eight kids. Maybe as – Well, you're uh, saying he's not Cajun. That's what you were saying to begin well, with. Yeah, but, I mean, I'm saying that's a hard place to get – I'm, I'm altering it. That's a – to me, strikes me as a difficult place to pick up and go in terms of it being different. Well, Chad, Especially with a young family. Name the head that's, coaches that's who have won a title there. And that, it, yeah, I mean, so I, good I, I went through but those, those other win. those other guys. I'm saying are all football. I'm going to go where anywhere, you yeah. know. I'll go to the best place. Whereas Fickle might I, be. I think I'll wait Fickle's for, all about football. Trust me. Yeah, Les Miles is a weird dude. I mean, I don't think it's a certain personality that has to work in in Baton Rouge, and he won a national title there, and LSU fans loved him when he was winning. Uh, Ricky on Twitter says if they're smart, they're going to go hire Mel Tucker. I like what he's done at Colorado and Michigan State. But LSU loves themselves a big name, so go look at the used car salesman, and he has a picture of James Franklin. 
as their first choice. The two big names on this list are James Franklin and Lane Kiffin. Yes. If you're going to go the Scott Woodward big splash hire of a huge name that's done it or at least been at big-time programs, it's James Franklin or it's Lane Kiffin. Are we talking Milk Tucker in the same tone three weeks from now after they match up in the Big Ten coming up? You know, they got Michigan around the corner. Uh, and then that run through the Big Ten to actually get to a title game. They're unbeaten right now. I mean, they've done everything they can to this point. Where's the Mel Tucker talk a month from now? Well, even better scenario is Michigan State versus Penn State for uh, a play-in game for the LSU job. <laughs> Winner of that game gets the LSU gig. Because James Franklin clearly wants out of Penn State. Yeah, I mean, it's USC or LSU for him, right? Yeah, I mean, but he's gonna, his name is going to – he was in the Tennessee race. Right. He's, he's trying through his agent – to get the right landing spot for retirement money. I'm not saying he's trying to retire. Right. I'm saying he wants to go somewhere, finish out his career, make as much money as possible, and start fresh. And that's it's been a smart move for a lot of coaches. Even if you're successful at places, your success breeds contempt when you don't have the same level of success every year. And then all of a sudden, your fans are looking around, you're saying, you're, you ingrates to your fan base. I think there's some of that with James Franklin now at Penn State, and if it's, it's now, well, if you don't win the Big Ten in a national title, then you're a failure at this point. So he could go start new, and he could go into his sales tactics at a new job. And, and, and look, he's, he would win big at LSU also. We also know he'll love, he's the type that just loves that fresh, new adoration. No right? doubt. That fresh, no doubt. new. Uh, look, I had it just a couple years ago here, but now I've been here a while, and people have gotten used to me. And if I go over there... They're going to love me anew, and I just love being washed with that. And I'll also say he'll win. I mean, that, yeah, he'll he would win at LSU for sure. Yeah. He won at Vandy. Right. He'll I win. Mean, he's going to win. And if you know that, plus you're getting a guy that's going to market the program the way you know he's going to, it's not a, it's not a bad pick by Woodward if they go not at Franklin's all. way. I, that's the way I would vote in this poll. Outkick 360 is where you can find it. I don't know that it's the name that I would go to first. Uh I'd go to Matt Campbell. I'd go to Luke Fickle in terms of coaching first. But James Franklin is, would be my pick on the poll because I think that's who's going to get the job, given Woodward's track record, given Franklin's desire right. to seek another job, and this being a big opening, I'm putting my money on James Franklin. Peeking ahead to NFL Week 7 and the, the, the slate of games, Paul, uh, Titans-Chiefs is among the best matchups going this week. There are a lot of teams on the bye. The two best games of the week on paper kick off at noon on Sunday. Noon Central, 1 o'clock Eastern, Bengals-Ravens, Titans-Chiefs. The primetime slate's not all that great, at least as it appears. Saints and Seahawks are among them. Colts and 49ers are among the primetime games. Titans-Chiefs, because of the points that are expected to be scored... And then the battle in the AFC North between the Ravens and the Bengals are the most intriguing matchups to me. They are two good games. Um, you know, we've talked about it in Nashville. Titans win this game. Um, they're right there at the front of the line in the AFC conversation with Baltimore. Baltimore could conceivably lose that game to Cincinnati, in which case the Titans would really be boosted up. But, uh, you know, the Titans, we said it when they lost that game to the Jets, and we were really down on them when they lost that game to the Jets. Yes. But they, if they win this game against Kansas City and they have beaten Buffalo and Kansas City back-to-back, and Chad was saying this yesterday, that would be as good a, a two-pack of wins as anybody in the AFC has, especially back-to-back, which is just a gift of the scheduling. Yeah, you're going to look back at that Jets game and think, you know, 
they'd be the best team in the AFC with if, if they took care of, uh, uh, and they'd be in position for number one seed. Yes. Um, and, yes. And, and we'd be, have nothing but praise for them. You have all those, you know, power rankings out. Them. Everyone does a power ranking. Everyone I see uh, the Titans around 13th. Yeah. You know, somewhere in the low teens, 12th, 11th. I mean, win this game and have those two wins, and then you could you could explain away the Jets game and say, well, it was one really bad week. And you're definitely uh, well, top ten you know power you, ranking team, but, but Chad, the other you know problem this. that is the blowout at home to the Cardinals. It's well, not just that they lost. We, it, we know how good the Cardinals yeah, are now, but still, there. it was bad. You, but you, you know, know the top five map. having lost to another top five team. You've got the coverage map uh, scenario here of like the the games that are watched across the country. Locally, here across the the mid south, it would be the, the discussion would be Titans just toppled the Chiefs. Nationally, the storyline coming out of that game of the Titans win is the Chiefs are done. Like, yep. it, are they going to be in position to make the playoffs given their division and how just terrible their defense is? Again, that's a worst case scenario for Kansas City on Sunday. But if they lose the game, that's the topic on Monday. And by the way, uh, Blake Bettingfield, the former Titans scout who writes for me at paulkuharski.com, he wrote a pretty thorough breakdown of Mahomes' problems which is more extensive, quite frankly, than I expected in terms of his insistence on floating back in the pocket and holding on to the ball. So it's another one of these guys. uh, Mahomes, obviously, number one. But you know what happens sometimes? The guy who's doing magical things tries to then rely on the magical things. So he's not staying in the pocket. He's floating backwards. He's making the one-footed throws. He's kind of counting on those magical plays. He's getting himself in trouble by relying on doing that stuff too often. Well, that plays kind of into the Titans' hands based on their struggles in the secondary. Now, they've been rushing passers like this a lot. If you can get them to float, float, float back and throw while he's drifting backwards or off of one foot, he throws some interceptable passes, which is why he's got eight. A couple of them are on receivers dropping balls, but others are on him. Uh, absolutely they are, and, and on the offensive line as well when it comes to that. Can the Titans find a pass rush with four? We'll discuss that in the final hour. Uh, Chad, you mentioned uh, the guest list for tomorrow without Kick the Telegram. The guest list today is legit as well. Keith Bullock will be here. That's coming up in roughly 45 minutes. And when we come back, we're talking Major League Baseball. J.P. Aaron Sibia. Guest list is heating up. J.P. Aaron Sibia is going to talk Braves, Dodgers, talk Red Sox, Astros, talk baseball. We got into a great discussion last week of baseball at large with yeah. him. So that may break out again. Love Looking it. forward to J.P. Aaron Sibia joining us live coming up next. That is next here at 6th and Peabody on Outkick 360. Peabody, it's Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. Time to talk some Major League Baseball postseason play. J.P. Sibia here on site with us. Uh, what a series right now between the Braves and Dodgers. Houston regains the lead three games to two, chance to close it out against Boston. It's been great. It's been fun. And you, and you think about it, and you start to, to even yesterday's game, Freddie Freeman goes deep, and, and I actually start to think, all right, this is over. The, the, the Braves are steamrolling. Not the same thing, the Dodgers, JP. Yeah, the Dodgers are struggling. <laughs> you and, and me both, brother. Yeah, I was confident. And then uh, all of us. Very confident with that home run. Little Reggie Jackson, Chris <laughs> Taylor goes deep three times. <laughs> and so it, what's fun, though, is both series have been exciting. And it's been back and forth. And I think that's good for baseball because, you know, when people talk about baseball, it's ah, not as fun of a sport. But if you're watching the playoffs, it's really been an entertaining playoff. 
Help me with this. We, we had this discussion earlier about the Braves. There's all these old demons that pop up with the Braves, and it's not that old. A year ago, you know, they lost a 3-1 series lead against the Dodgers. But there's, you know, all these, these skeletons in the closet for Braves fans watching their team sort of expecting October failure at some point. But it feels like this team is different because of all the new additions. They don't have that mental baggage of a year ago. A lot of the guys who have been performing are the trade deadline additions. Do you buy into that a little bit when you watch this team that they're not going to be mentally shaken up by the Dodgers? I, I do and I don't, and here's, here's the reason why. I think that even having Jorge Soler come back kind of lifted the guys, the spirits. Freddie Freeman, who obviously is their, he's their guy. He goes, they go. He starts swinging the bat. He goes deep. Now you start to feel better about yourself. But I do think the demons creep in because everybody knows what happened last season. And you start to think about it. I think if they lose game six, they are done. I think that it goes that, that the Dodgers all of a sudden, they start to feel it. You got Bueller going game seven. And the Braves start to feel that those demons start to creep up a little bit. And it makes it a little bit of a hairy situation for the, for the Braves. Do you think the Braves are in this position if they don't have the injury to Acuna and the Ozuna situation and Soroka? Because, JP, if they don't have that, they're probably not making all these acquisitions that have paid off so big down the street. I'm not saying that not having Acuna is better than having Acuna, but it does feel like it led to what we have right now with this Braves team. Well, and, and it's adversity, right? Adversity is what helps teams. It's what helps teams grow, really. And then you start to see a team that, faces adversity and then Alex Anthopoulos who goes out there and makes all these moves and now that just really gets everybody going and then you have a Max Fried who finished the way he finished Charlie Morton who was great and you see all these guys start to roll together it does feel different I will say it feels like a team that is feeling themselves in a sense they're hot I will never say this though I you need Ron, if Ronald Acuna is on that team, and obviously maybe they don't make some of the acquisitions. I still think Alex Anthopoulos would have gone after some of the guys, but Acuna is a game changer, and by not having him, that's a big difference. Let's let's take that idea kind of all the way out. We were playing with this the other day. Healthy Braves, no moves or minor moves, as opposed to this team now. Who would you rather have come into the playoffs with? Because this team clearly has something going on. Would be different DNA. But what what, what would you have taken? I'm, I'm taking the the Braves. The with, one with Acuna. With Acuna and Ozuna and Soroka, right? You you start to think about it. This was the second best offense in baseball last year to the the Los Angeles Dodgers. This is a team that top to bottom. If you have Acuna and you have Ozuna. I 100% want to go to war with those guys. Obviously, I think Alex Anthopoulos did a great job of, of the additions, but you, you want to have a Soroka. I mean, he was a, he was a dominant starter. And I think you, you have Ozuna, who's a 30-100 guy, and then Acuna, who I think is going to be a 40-40 guy, uh, and that's how special he is. Well, you mentioned Chris Taylor's Reggie Jackson night last night with the three home runs. Um, they lose Justin Turner to the hamstring strain the night before. Joe Kelly has an arm strain. He's done now, too. Is that concerning at all for the Dodgers moving forward, even if they beat the Braves to get to the World Series? Or are they just so deep that it's not going to affect them? Well, Joe Kelly is the biggest, I think, loss. Obviously, Justin Turner is a guy offensively who is a big part of that lineup. But Joe Kelly, you guys, you watch the games, 7th, 8th, and ninth. that bullpen, how many times in this playoff has 
the the starter been taken out of the game early and then now it's bullpen versus bullpen and joe kelly has been a guy who has been huge for the dodgers and so i think that's a bigger loss but by turner going down what you've started to see is some other guys pick up the slack right you, you think of chris taylor he's playing third base yesterday maybe he goes to third base he feels a little more comfortable goes deep three times pollock's gonna have more at bats and then now cody bellinger's starting to swing the bat and he is a guy who can really put a team on his back so i think the bigger loss, though, is Joe Kelly. JP was a catcher. I, I don't know the stats updated as of last night, but going into yesterday's play, uh, those trying to steal a base were 31 of 33 in the postseason. What, what led to that? Why are base runners having such success against these catchers right now? Well, because it, there's no longer the, – the holding a guy on is not a priority as much as a guy maximizing his velocity. And what I mean by that is pitchers – Back in the, you know, it was a big thing to slide step. You know, there's pitchers have times. From the time that they start their windup to the time that the ball hits the catcher's mitt, there's a certain time. It's a, it's a 1.3 seconds to 1.5 to 1.6. And so what happens is, is you try to go quick to eliminate the stolen base. That's before. Now we're talking about velocity. That's why you see guys come up to the big leagues without experience earlier in their careers because it's like, hey, lean back. I want you to throw 97, 98 in the top of the zone, and we're not worried about anything else. So you see all these stolen bases, and of course it goes on. I know this, it's it's sensitive subject to me because it goes <laughs> on the back of my baseball card, but that's just the way the game has gone. So you're not surprised by it? No, I, it's just because guys, guys don't do it. And what you see now is they just hold. And holding is, and what I mean by holding is, They'll come set, and they'll hold and hold and hold. And that's the way you can kind of control the running game. That's why you still might not see everybody stealing. But at the end of the day, they're more worried about, hey, if I have my high leg kick, I don't care if this guy goes, but I can throw a pitch 95 as opposed to 92, and it's up in the zone. I can control it better, or I can leg kick, or I can slide step, lose velocity, maybe lose a little location, and now that's a two-run homer. So that's where guys are starting to – really back away so the extra base doesn't matter it's unbelievable it, isn't it not here okay here's a I'll it's tell so you valuable this. in the postseason but this is but this is a conversation. home run is still the key even with the guy on the base it's well, all about hitting it or avoiding it. well there's a, yeah but there's arguments on both sides right there's games that have been won by just a home run so right you talk about the home run how valuable it is but i had a conversation with the catching coach of the marlins and i said hey how come guys don't block the ball anymore everyone's on a knee with runners on third base and now you're going to tell me that all oh, receiving is more important than, than being in a position to block a ball. And he says, listen, at the, end of this, at the end of the season, stealing strikes is more valuable than the 90 feet. And I think that that's ridiculous, but statistically, that's what they say. So, JP, there, there were pitchers that you would catch that you knew absolutely you had no chance of throwing a runner out based on his velocity or how long it took him to release the baseball. Yeah. Even before the first pitch. 100%. And, and everybody knows it, right? So then now – the, the cat and mouse game is is how can I maybe change the timing of the pitcher Frankie Francisco closer for the Blue Jays he was with the Texas Rangers he was a guy and I hated it because at the end of the game it's the ninth inning one run game a guy gets on first base what do you think they're going to do they're going to steal the bag easy and this guy they knew and I knew and you knew and yeah. he, <laughs> that, that his time was a certain time and He'd come set, and I was like, all right, here it goes. And the guy would steal. And a lot of times I'd just catch the ball, throw it back to the pitcher because it's like – but I, it, it baffled me because it's like you come in in the back half of a game. If you can't control the running game, I don't want you on the mound in that situation. But strikeouts, all those things that have, come, that have, have 
had the opportunity. That's why strikeout is so important now is because you can steal a bag, but if I strike you out, you're, you didn't move the runner over, right? So that's where you see the strikeouts go up and, and they're not as worried about it. But I, I, me, the purest of it, and, and as a catcher, I'm thinking, man, you, you literally handcuff me when somebody gets on base. You're helpless. I, yeah, I, you literally, and then, then you have fans booing at you, and you're like, listen, <laughs> that wasn't me. This is a pitcher. Well, this, this they may- at least not judge you on that anymore? Yeah, that's like, a- you look bad to the crowd and everybody, but in-house you're not being judged on not making a play on that. The back of the, the baseball card, right? This may be a dumb question. I was thinking the same thing. Does it matter if you don't throw, you don't even attempt to throw them out, and they take second base? Oh, in yeah. terms of it, your statistics? Oh, it still goes against it's you. It's just all stolen. Yeah, it's contract it's, time, does it come up? Yes, but here, okay, now here's, here's what's crazy. So, Jan Gomes, University of Tennessee, Washington National World Series, he got traded to the A's. He's a free agent this year. And I was having conversations with teams about this. And they're saying his receiving numbers are down. And I'm, and I'm thinking, he's a silver slugger, award winner. He calls a good game. He blocks. He throws guys out. But they said because his numbers receiving he's not stealing as many strikes he's not as valuable so you can have a guy who tyler flowers for example you obviously with the braves he was the best he he looked disgusting behind the dish as a catcher terrible stole a ton of strikes and he was more valuable than a guy who was a better defender as far as game calling throwing guys out blocking because of his receiving numbers. Well, we got to get those receiving numbers on the back of the baseball yeah. card. Yeah. I mean, so your ability to manipulate the strike zone is more important than just playing catcher and hitting. Yes, but here's, yeah, but here's the crazy part, right? So when you start to look at those numbers, your pitching staff makes a big deal. And why I say that is because there was one season that I was top five in receiving, right? I had Mark Burley every single start. That's 33 starts. Mark Burley got more pitches than anybody else. So... It was, like, you. it was like, man, JP, what'd you do differently this year? I didn't do anything differently. I caught <laughs> Mark Burley every five days because he was going to get a bigger strike zone. So also you start to think Yadi Molina. He grades great. But you start to think like a great this, is, this is Yadi Molina. Yeah, he sets up there. Adam Wainwright, he gets a backdoor cutter. He's going to get that cutter that the Astros starter today, Luis Garcia, isn't going to get because he's a rookie, right? So those are the things that metrics can't show. But, I, you know, obviously, you know, you're eight, you're top five. What'd you do? Nothing. I caught Mark Burley. The, the Dodgers-Brave series has really made me rethink the uh, bullpen game and that it's actually a good thing when the bullpen game happens because the last two days... One bullpen game throwing, changes my... Throwing two, <laughs> two bullpen games because the Braves, very successful, throwing different guys, the Dodgers, in the win the day before. And then yesterday, you start throwing multiple guys and not getting a feel for someone every inning. And I'm thinking, uh, is it better to have a bullpen day or throw Max Scherzer? Who knows right now in baseball? Well, it's, it, it all depends on your staff, right, and who you have available. I think actually the Braves, what I love about the Braves is yesterday the game got out of hand to the point where they didn't have to use their guys. And that was huge because you know, I was talking with Tommy about this. Is It's, hey, at this point as a manager, you have to think, now next game, if I don't use my dudes today, my, my A relievers, let's say, then I can use them on this next game, which will give me an opportunity because all I got to do is win one. And if, so if I can save these guys, hey, we'll, we'll put out Webb, we'll put out Lee. You guys, I don't care if they score 20. Have fun scoring 20. But I need to save my guys for the next game and have bullpen. I'm telling you as a hitter, as a player, why the Rays have done it and been so successful and all the teams now are following suit is because if I give you a different look every at-bat, it's tough. That's why starters, the first inning, their average against is way down 
but the third time through the order, the average goes way up because as a hitter, now I'm seeing different things. I know what his pitches are doing that day. For the bullpen days, as a hitter, offensively, it's a very, you might get to one guy, but it's very tough to have a good game. J.P. and Sibia, our guest on Outkick 360, you told us last week that given all the circumstances of the playoffs, you would, you would still take the Dodgers to win it all. Both series right now at 3-2. You still taking L.A.? I, I'm sticking with my guns. I'm going to say that I still take a, L.A., and especially they got a little momentum. They're feeling good. And if they win that game six, I think it's a wrap for the Braves. And listen, I know you don't want to hear that. I know that it's a little, I know I that's a little soft in, the, it's it's soft in the heart, but it, it's just you can't let these guys back in because if you open the door, you're going against a team. I mean, think about it. You have Max Scherzer lined up and then Walker Bueller, and that's not a fun two guys to have to face. Well, and it's been a roller coaster because that game three, the Braves are up five to two, and that Bellinger home run, I felt like the series was over for the Dodgers in that game. And then the Braves come back in a bullpen game and win 9-2. to two. And I'm thinking, okay, maybe this Braves team really is different. Dodgers win this one. I'm with you, though, JP. If they, if they go Saturday night into Atlanta and win that game six, there's not going to be much optimism for Braves fans for game seven. Well, and that home run, I, I, when I, he hit that three-run homer, Cody Bellinger, it, to tie that game up. How unlikely is that yeah, on that, that pitch. pitch? Oh, my gosh. To, to, to hit a ball. It's 96 the, mile per hour, four and a half feet off yeah, the plate. Way up out of the zone. High, yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a little magic in that team too, right? And Cody Bellinger, all of a sudden, he's had the year that he's had. And then now he's gotten huge hits. That base hit up the middle that gave him, that tied up the game as well. Now a three-run homer. And when he hit that three-run homer, I, I honestly thought to myself, this is not good for the Braves because you kind of wake the sleeping giant and all of a sudden they start feeling good. They start rolling. And now you're talking about a team who already has been in that situation. Not only did they come back and win that series, but then they won the World Series. So now they're starting to think like, all right, this is we've been here before. You guys have been here before on the other side of it. You familiar with this Twitter account, this Ump Scorecards? I love it. Okay. I read a story about this thing. I, I'm fascinated by this. Do guys pass this around? Are people in the league aware of this? And do you, when an umpire calls a great game, are you as aware of it as when an umpire calls a bad game? A hundred percent. I Honestly, I look at that every morning. I, I actually look at that Twitter. What handle. is this handle, Paul? It's UMP Scorecards. So this guy just runs a bot. It runs basically what the ump did against the actual strike zone, and it gives these guys a look at how accurate the ump was calling balls and strikes and which team it favored, right? It's, it's great. It's great. It, honestly, and it shows you the worst misses of the night and the situation of it, but we actually, I look at it every single day because then the next day I might talk about it on the pregame or in the radio, but it's funny because this, this guy starts to expose a lot of the bad umpires, which Laz Diaz was behind the dish, uh, again, uh, the Boston game, and I'm literally. You see, I'm, I'm on Twitter looking at baseball guys talking about why is he behind the plate on a game that's, that's this important because he stinks. He really does, and he had a awful game behind the dish. Here's the idea I heard off of this, which I thought was fascinating. This was from John Boy last night. Put the best home plate umpires behind home plate more often in the playoffs, yeah. and if another guy's good at first base, put him at first Keep base. But there. if a guy's bad behind the plate. Don't rotate him behind the plate. Well, that's it. And here's the thing. I don't care if he's bad or if he's better at first. 
you can put them anywhere you want. That's why they have replay now, right? So if you're on the bases, they can replay it. It doesn't matter how good don't or bad you are. Don't put them behind the plate. But exactly. Behind the dish in that kind of game, and then all it does is then it exposes because now I think I hate the strike, the K zone, because everybody now is, is an umpire. You know, it's, oh, that's, that's getting the K zone. It's got to be. I mean, I've seen balls go through the zone and hit the dirt, a breaking ball, right? And if I'm hitting and you call that a strike on me, I might pull your mask off and slap it back in your face. <laughs> I mean, it's like, come on. But I still think, too, I'm one of the guys, I don't want that, that electric strike zone, the robot strike zone. It's not, it's not good for the game. It really isn't. Do you think Major League Baseball pays attention to things like this and when they're looking at how they're rating their own? Uh, they may never admit it, but do you think someone's keeping an eye on it? Well, you would hope so, but the union for the, for the umpires is so strong that they, they can really get away with whatever they want. And then the thing that we always used to say as players is just be accountable. Why can't, why can't they answer questions? Or why can't, if they are not good, send them down the AAA? Why can't you send him down the AAA? You, if I stink, I get sent down the AAA. Why don't they get sent Players down? Players' union's paying attention to it, so that's got to count for oh, something, right? But, but what's scary, though, is the Arizona Fall League. They're, they have the robo-umpires, right? They're starting to implement it in different leagues to feel, and you start to talk to the young guys, and a lot of the young guys are actually kind of for it, and they start to say, like, oh, it's going to happen. And I'm thinking, that stinks, because then – now there's really no argument there's no even conversation there's no there's no human error i I just think that it's part of the game astro's going to take care of the red sox i think luis garcia who was a potential rookie of the year candidate on the bump today he did get roughed up but evaldi he had a tough one out of the bullpen you saw what happened to guys out of the bullpen max scherzer out of the bullpen struggles next start evaldi out of the bullpen how's he gonna how's he gonna answer back Houston's offense, they've been rolling. I think it's tough to stop that train. Astros. Look at Paul. Astros, Dodgers. You heard it here first. (laughs) (laughs) Who would you root for in that scenario, Paul? Astros, Dodgers? Yeah. Dodgers. Oh, there's no doubt. Dodgers. Yeah. Four games sweep. You get to finally go back to your I, look, principles I, that they cheated your team I out. Now hate the Dodgers everybody win. in the playoffs except the Dodgers, who I only mildly hate. But I hate <laughs> the Red Sox. I hate the Astros. Less over hatred. The cheating stuff. I hate the Braves wait, wait, because well, I don't want to hear yeah, about it from Chad. Here's the thing. Do you think that the Astros were the only ones cheating? No, or the only but ones they were caught? burned and they cheated against my team in ALCS. Well, but see, Paul, you also you, you hate the Dodgers winning because – you like to have the fallback of, where's all the outrage about how much money the Dodgers spend yeah. with only one World Series? I hate them too. Look, Everybody I hate them all. The Yankees. I hate them all. Now that they start winning back to World gonna Series, win. you don't have that. I hate ranking. them all, but somebody's going to win. And I'm going to throw this nugget out there. The old Yankees, uh, maybe they're not the only ones. The Astros aren't the only ones that maybe we're doing some. Well, the Astros certainly did it more effectively in that ALCS. Or they were better. Or, or maybe they were just Were better. they more effective? Because they're the ones that got caught, and then there's other That's teams true. that have not gotten caught. Yeah, Yankees are smart enough not to get caught. <laughs> <laughs> my, my Orioles are not. They don't, they're not even trying. Your Orioles aren't they, investing any The Orioles saw this yet. and said, we never even thought about <laughs> yeah. gaining an advantage yeah. in any way. Wait, balls and strikes. What are those? But, but they have a great ballpark and Old Bay seasoning and their, their blue crabs. That's right. They, We've got that. Yeah, you guys got the crabs. I mean, <laughs> 
<laughs> it was a great road trip, you're saying, when you were a Blue Jay going oh, to Baltimore. I loved hitting there. That was for sure. I wasn't, I'm not a big seafood guy, so I'd walk into the clubhouse and it'd smell, and I'd be like, come on, guys. Do we have to have crabs <laughs> everywhere on, this, on the tables? And Give stuff? me some like, steak. Yeah, I just want to, yeah, a steak would be nice. Every Burger. Day, yeah. JP, uh, Halloween right around the corner. Give us your review of Hocus Pocus. I heard you had to watch that last night. Well. <laughs> you were able to watch the last night. Yeah, I, I, hadn't, I hadn't never seen it before. Um, I'm a fan of Binks, the, the yeah, cat. Oh, yeah. Uh, is this a bucket list film for you? Well, to, yes. <laughs> You're going What's to the, the American Film Institute Top 100, and you started with Hocus Pocus? Yeah, I went. Yeah, Tommy has given me a lot of slack about my movie watching because I don't watch a lot of movies, so I watched Hocus Pocus yesterday. Now I have that, that song in my head, I'm going to put a spell on you, which is kind of a, really killing me right now, but uh, I give it a 9 out of 10. I, I wow. enjoyed it. Oh, a very high Yeah, high rating. High, high rating, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know why I gave it's it a classic. high Well, you know why I gave it a high rating? Because you know? if you didn't, she'd make you watch Hocus <laughs> Pocus <laughs> too. Yeah, well, well, she's going to anyways, but I, I stayed awake throughout the entire movie, and I actually... That's a winner, though. Yeah, I actually yeah. watched it. So. Well, tonight on movie night, they get to watch Ernest Scared Straight. That's next <laughs> after Hocus Pocus. It's big time in October. It's a great series. I, I sense a horror movie coming. It's bingeable. Yes. <laughs> Binge-worthy. Yes, the, the Paranormal Activity series and <laughs> Ernest Scared Shrek. I, too, have not seen Hocus Pocus. Oh, you, uh, well, you watched that with are you, Simon. Are you even living? Watched that with Simon this weekend. <laughs> I mean, I'm embarrassed for you. <laughs> JP just realized he's actually alive after he watched <laughs> yeah. that film last night. I mean, I feel more alive. <laughs> I might have a spell on me. I don't uh, know. Who knows? <laughs> Good to see you, man. Thanks so much. Thank you for coming by. Thanks for having Always me. Always fun. It's JP nice. Arancibia has been our guest here at 6th and Peabody. Coming up, we've got the upset picks for the NFL this week. Make some money with FanDuel.com. Paul's got Paul's props right around the corner. Plus, Keith Bullock will be here live with us as well on OutKick 360. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network. Sixth and Peabody, where we're located. We'll be here tomorrow morning as well for Outkick, the tailgate presented by Farm Folio. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Big shout out and thanks to JP and Sibia for joining us. Keith Bullock joins us coming up in roughly 20 minutes. Looking forward to a visit with Cable 53. It's been a while since we've had him on the show. It's been too long. Man, we were used, accustomed to having him on a lot. It's not been the case. We'll have some NFL talk, some Titans discussion as well. That is all straight ahead with Keith Bullock here on the show during the Tennessee Power Hour. Right now, FanDuel.com slash OK360. That's the website to go check out and place your bets for the weekend. I have your NFL upsets of the week. Go to FanDuel and follow me here. I'm, I'm placing bets on all of these. And, guys, I'm doing it, Hutton. outright winners this weekend. Doing it. I am taking the Cincinnati Bengals over Baltimore this week. In the last three meetings between these two teams, the Ravens have gone 3-0. and They have averaged 38 points per game against Cincinnati in these last three meetings. The difference this year, the Bengals are much improved, not just on offense, but also on defense. The Ravens have allowed the third most passing yards in the AFC this year. That is good news for Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. They're going to connect on a game-changing play. Joe Mixon will continue to carry the load and time of possession for Cincinnati as well. Baltimore's very good. I can't wait to watch this game. And the Bengals' run defense, it's a bit underrated, quite frankly. I do think Baltimore's able to run it on them. I think they hold up in the end. I'm taking Cincinnati outright. Dolphins over the Falcons, my number two upset of the week. A lot of talk, a lot of talk about Tua this week. 
I am betting he shows up at home. This is their home dogs by two and a half points. They went out right over Atlanta, the road favorite, the rare road favorite for the Atlanta Falcons. I'm a bit worried about Cordero Patterson. Arthur Smith has figured out how to use him out of the backfield, but the Miami defense, surely they could come up with some stops on Cordero Patterson this Sunday. And finally, it is going to be a deluge. Heavy rains expected in San Francisco this weekend as the Colts visit the 49ers. They have already described this as swamp-like conditions in San Francisco for the 49ers' home, home field. The Colts can control the clock with Jonathan Taylor at running back. For the, the weather conditions, and because Jonathan Taylor came, came alive against Houston, I'm taking the Colts' road dogs against San Francisco on Sunday night, four-and-a-half-point underdogs. Paul, your thoughts on those outright winners? I like one of them. I like the Colts. I like that you went with the reverse Jag this week. Last week you went with Jags to upset the Dolphins. Yes. That paid off. This week you flipped it, and now you're going with the Dolphins to upset someone. I should also point out the 49ers have, have ruled out Trey Lance. We didn't know which quarterback was going to play. They have ruled out Trey Lance. Jimmy Garoppolo is no longer on the injury report. Garoppolo is going to start for San Francisco. Yeah, I, I've, I'm with you on the Colts for sure. I'm, I'm rooting for that Cincinnati result but I can't get myself uh, to commit to it. Paul, your top props of the week. I've got some props here. Um, I think that I, I'm into this Atlanta-Miami game. By the way, well. you, one paid off last week. Yeah. Lowest, lowest scoring lowest game. Lowest scoring. And I'm going, I bet all of those that you gave me, and I saw that paid I'm off. I'm going back to lowest scoring. Let me yeah. get the highest scoring team first. Arizona, um, I got at plus 650 here to be the highest scoring team on Sunday. They're playing Houston. I think the Texans are, uh, you know, they gave up uh, 31 to Indianapolis last week. And they're listening to all this Deshaun Watson no talk as well. Um, they're also facing DeAndre Hopkins, who they traded away for nothing. J.J. Watt, J. I don't J. know Watt. that J.J. Watt's going to be scoring, but maybe. But, <laughs> but he's pissed off about hearing uh, a, a lot of excuses as to how Arizona's good without being good. Yep. And he's popped off about that some this week. I think Arizona's got a good chance to be the highest-scoring team of the week this weekend. I dug in twice here into the uh, lowest-scoring game of the week. The Jets and the Patriots and Carolina and the Giants are the two um, at the top of this list with the, with the odds. You didn't Car have uh, Titans in Kansas City on this list? Carolina and the Giants, <laughs> I think, has a good chance of being the lowest-scoring. Giants are missing uh, a bunch of their premier players. Yes. But I think Atlanta and Miami severely undervalued here which is why I, i'm on it these teams don't score particularly well and for some reason this is the eighth out of 11 games on this list this weekend that jumped out at me and well, it's so, because atlanta has the worst defense in the league yeah but miami's offense is not super equipped to take advantage not, of that and so i that jumped out to me and another game where i see um some potential here the rams versus the lions I'm all over Cooper Cup to be the leading receiver, something I've been playing with every week here. Stafford's going to go insane in this game, which is a terrible matchup for the Lions in Jared Goff's game against you his former if Goff team. Goff goes back to win. His oh. first game winning without McVay. <laughs> well, getting called out by his head coach. No. In Detroit, and then it's a nice dream. It's not all the love yeah, for Matthew Stafford getting out of Detroit are going to destroy the Lions <laughs> and Cooper Cup. 
I think it probably leading receiver in this game. It's just a matter of how big the number is. Plus 900 is a good chance to take here. Jared Goff going back and winning his first game without his former head coach. He's 0-12 really now. Really changed the narrative. Jared Goff did. <laughs> it, would, it would really change. Cooper Cup, by the way, sounds like a product. Every time I hear it, I'm thinking you're talking about something you're marketing. Like it's, it's a, a Cooper, Cooper Cup. Steel. It's a Cooper Cup. Yeah. yeah. Right? I, I, uh, I want to play this game after football season's over, but I'm pretty sure I would put Cooper Cup in my five best players in the NFL list. Uh, definitely most reliable. I don't know if we're doing a draft. I don't think Cooper Cup's a top five pick in the NFL. But he's one of the most he's reliable players good for player. sure. Uh, another great player was Keith Bullock in the NFL. K, K. Bull is going to join us in the next hour. Looking forward to that. NFL headlines and more when we return. The very latest on Hendon Hooker and the Tennessee Vols as they prepare for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Sounds like the quarterback is back, Chad. That's Surprisingly it. enough. Looks like it's leading towards possibly Hendon Hooker starting. Those no headlines problem. next on Outkick 360.